Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of the Horror Fiends podcast. I am your host, Giuseppe, here with my three other co-hosts, Giuseppe A, B, and C. We have a very special Giuseppe host tonight. His name is Ebdog. The fuck is going on, Ebdog? Oh, pleasure to be here, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Give me a good one. Appreciate yes. it. We have you fucking ready for American Psycho, which will be the movie we'll be discussing tonight. And mm. uh, I will also be joined by my two other schlubby hosts, Chris and Sauce. How are we doing tonight, fellas? Doing good, bud. How are you? Uh, very good. Very nice. Sauce, how are you? Doing, doing great. How are you fellas doing today? Feels like it's been a hot minute since we've recorded, or at least me since I've been out. I know. We got Sauce back in action after he had the suds for episode 16, which was Saw Deuce. And uh, Evan, we've been fucking, we've been putting you in for a marble for a long time to be on the American Cycle podcast. And uh, we switched systems because it wasn't winning. And uh, <laughs> we made sure that you, you beat out Scream. So we oh, have a certain listener named Dave who wanted Scream and he didn't get it. So Good. Screw that, that guy. guy. I don't know who he is, but he sounds like a real piece of work, and I don't like him. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we'll be reviewing, in my opinion, what I think is a uh, a very a very interesting and like fun to talk about movie, which is 2000's American Psycho, directed by Mary... What's her name? Mary Heron. Yeah, Mary Heron. Um, and it was based on a book by a dude named Brett that I don't really know a whole lot about, but um, it's a pretty, I, I would say it's a pretty trendy, like recently like popular movie that people talk about and meme all the fucking time. Um, and I don't know why, but it's, I think it's just cause it's, it's funny. I think this is like a genuinely like funny movie that has a lot of good quotes in it. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you like, what are your experiences with this? Have you seen it before? Evan, let's start with you. So I've been seeing memes of this movie for like easily two years now, not knowing it was American Psycho. And then it actually showed up on my YouTube recommended, just someone kind of doing a review of it. And I gave it a watch and it it seemed so incoherent. Like even the YouTube reviewer couldn't explain properly like what the, the plot was, what was going on, that it piqued my interest a little bit. And then yep. I finally watched it, and I gotta say, I I loved it. It was right. not a horror movie; like it didn't, it wasn't scary. It was a slasher, but it was just so goddamn funny that I loved it. Yeah, that's all I can really say. Like it was Good. a genuine blast watching that thing. For the so, first so time. this is not your first time watch for this podcast. You've seen no, it I've, I've seen it only twice, but every okay. like just it makes like after watching it again, it made me want to watch it even more times because I just picked up on so much stuff that I missed, like. After watching it a second time, I feel like if okay. I watched it again, there'd be 15 new things that I picked up gotcha. that I didn't see before. Okay, Chris, have you seen this one before? No, that's my first time watching it. Was for this episode today. Okay, so I've only watched it once. Okay, and... it's first time watch. Nice. I'm glad that we got one of those. Sauce, you've seen this before, right? Um, no, I mean the the first time I watched it was with you guys on Saturday, so. Right. I've heard about this movie for a long time, though. I've been recommending it, and I've seen the memes as well. Um, specifically, that one of what, what would you even call that face that I put in our Discord of him making like that meme face? Where he, like, Which kind of. that? Um, He's almost like Discord. Blown. He kind of yeah. he squints his eyes and kind of blows oh. a kiss. 
when yeah. whatever that dude was was complimenting on some it's girl's ass. Head. I've, I've I seen think that. that's when uh, Jared Leto is shitting on Patrick Bateman for being a loser. And he uh, was yeah, playing it I, off like, fuck that guy. I've seen that meme before. I know that's a popular meme. I've seen the one where he puts the headphones on and he's walking oh, yeah, through the walking. hallway in a suit. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely seen like different meme things of this movie, but it was a first watch for me as well. Okay. Well, I'll do the quick uh, rundown through who was in this movie. So our main man, Patrick Bateman, he's the for sure the main character, uh, antagonist slash protagonist, piece of shit, uh, serial killer named uh, Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale. And then uh, some other motherfuckers that are in here. Uh, Reese Witherspoon plays his girlfriend, Evelyn. Um, fucking Matt Ross plays Lewis Carruthers. Jerry Leto plays Paul Allen. William Defoe is the detective. Donald Kimball. Um, there's lots of other people that sort of make their appearances, but for the most part, oh, and also uh, his secretary's named Jean, played by a chick named Chloe Sevigny. I don't know how you pronounce her name, but um, mostly we just follow Patrick Bateman, and everything shot pretty much from his perspective. Um, and I mean, this came out in the year 2000. I think it kind of shows, um, with just some of the, the, just the look of the movie, like some of the grainy camera shots. Um, but it takes place in New York and, um, I, I'll do a quick, uh, little spoiler warning. Um, but you know what, actually, before I get into the plot, let's fucking rank this movie poster. So I'll, I'll break it down for anyone out there who hasn't seen it. It's actually a pretty um, recognizable horror movie poster. And it's um, mostly Patrick Bateman, who's wearing his suit, wearing a nice tie. He's got a big-ass fucking knife in his hand. It's got his reflection on the other end of it. Um, He's, like, looking away from the camera. We got a classic tagline that says, Killer Looks. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty basic. Um, Implies this man likes, likes his fucking knives. I don't know. What else is there to say about this? Anything? You're missing the subtleties of the knife. It's it's showing two faces. Yeah, he's, he's got two projecting. Faces. He's projecting his his Patrick Bateman persona, while he's also his other face, the one with the knife. That's the real Patrick Bateman, who doesn't right. really exist and is a fucking psychopath. You're missing the nuances of that beautiful fucking poster. All right, okay, I'll give it to that. It's got that going for it. <laughs> But it looks it looks very early. It looks like the fu- a fucking two thousand movie poster to me. It definitely does. It's kind of just. Like I still low, think it looks res. nice. I think what ruins it for me is the slogan "Killer Looks." Although it makes sense, it's just so corny and so goofy that yeah, it, it takes pretty, it it's out. It's pretty for fucking me. basic. I'm not gonna. Look. Yeah. It's got a nice aesthetic, but that yeah. killer looks kills it for me. I'm gonna go ahead and give this a middle of the pack two point five for this one. Um, Evan, what are you thinking? On a scale of five, and you can you could one decimal po- point for it. You know, I would have given it a four, but because I actually like it. It's simple, but it, it gets the point across. Killer looks brings it down to a, a three point one to me, just because it's All so right. corny. Okay, I like that. Sauce, what are you thinking? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just very, it's very basic. I like the reflection in the in the knife and the idea behind it. Um, probably don't like the killer looks thrown in there. I think they could have done without that. So I don't know. It's just going to fall somewhere in the middle for me. I'll just give it a solid three. All right. 3.0. And Chris, what are you feeling? Same like? thing. Um, I was going to give it a 3.0 as well. All and right. I, I like this slogan. It's not too bad. 
Nice little tagline, killer, killer looks. All right. So that gets the aggregate of a 2.8, which is, uh, yeah, it's pretty middle of the pack. But actually, it's kind of towards the top with how some of the shitty movie posters we've had on this podcast. Like, none of the movies that we keep getting, I have fucking good movie posters. <laughs> I feel like um, horror movies in general aren't known for, like, insanely good posters. Well, the 80s movie posters are, are really good, but it seems like the early 2000s ones are just fucking horrible. Like, I don't know what pe- what sort of ingenuity. Like, people just didn't give a fuck about what their movie posters looked like back then. I'm kind of noticing that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to the state, 3.9 for Possessor Uncut. Or, no, I'm sorry, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 1. Um, we'll have more on that a little bit later. But, uh, anyways, mm. that'll do it for our um, movie poster segment. Um I guess we should just get into the plot. So I actually, this week, I'm just going to fucking cruise through this plot because there is a lot to talk about. Yeah, um, I don't even think it's worth trying to go into detail of how much crazy shit happened. Good luck. Yeah. So, there's just a, a even... ton of a ton of cuts and scenes in it. So yeah, I, I real quick, it's... Actually, this is set in 1987. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I, I mean, you can tell with the aesthetic. Like, it's in 87? Yeah. The cell phone that he yeah, uses is a dead right. giveaway. Yeah, it's so it's late. There. Late. 80s. I didn't really get that from the watch, but it is set around here for some reason. I don't know how, but um, Patrick Bateman. We kind of get introduced to him. Uh, he's just like a fucking young, wealthy, uh, very fucking upper class New York City investment banker uh, who works on Wall Street and is a vice president among many other vice presidents of his company, Pierce and Pierce. And um, we sort of get introduced to him. He's like, he goes out to dinner and eats at these very fancy restaurants where they eat fucking ridiculously expensive shit. And they make, the, they get their fucking rocks off getting reservations to Dorcia and all these upper, you know, high class restaurants. Like they take, they take a lot of pride in how good of a restaurant can they get and how fucking pompous are they? So very much like a yuppie attitude with these motherfuckers like that's we are definitely thrown right into that high class culture um we get introduced to patrick bateman um he's got like three guys that he kind of hangs around and we get introduced to this other character named paul allen who we don't actually get a good look at, at the start of the movie played by jared leto um and they all sort of are talking shit about this motherfucker paul allen they're all kind of i don't know what the word is they're just trying to they're just they're trying to look good yeah, they're trying to look good in front of Paul Allen, or they're jealous of him and they're shitting on him. Um, and he spends most of his life, Patrick Bateman, this is trying to keep up appearances and not doing any fucking work at all at his company. Um, Zero. Yeah, he does <laughs> fucking. He just has a like a penthouse office on a certain you know high high class like high elevator floor where he just fucking shits around all day and doesn't actually do anything um he has a secretary named gene who he tells to fucking get a new fucking dress when he doesn't like what she's wearing so this dude is very much trying to tout his power in front of his other i don't know his secretary and his other fucking vice presidents they start ripping out their business cards and comparing their very similar looking business cards and what i think is one of the like the funniest, like first funny scenes of the movie. Um, 
it's just oh, fucking yeah. ridiculous where that Patrick Bateman gets like noticeably sweaty after looking at his fellow vice president's business cards because they're he, clearly like, better. He describes them all in like extreme detail, like the embroidering, That's the, the font, the different colors, like every inch in detail about this. Um, those business cards, he's right. all over it. Right. Ridiculous I think I'll back up a second before this scene. Um, there's a very interesting scene of Patrick Bateman going through his morning routine, which is fucking, he's got his balls out at one point and he's, uh, he's got his bare ass. He's trying to do his like morning workout. And then he starts doing like all this skincare routine, which is like beyond anything else. Like anything has ever seen Evan, for those <laughs> listening right now, Evan has just gotten a nice picture of Patrick Bateman's ass cheeks in the shower um in his <laughs> see this is what we need to get the video going for is shenanigans yeah. like this i mean we get a nice shot of his, <laughs> of his ass cheeks while he's showering up and um he introduces like through monologue like how his daily routine is very much like sort of a part of who he is and um it kind of ties in it, it very briefly like hinted at that um there's a scene where he's peeling off a mask of his own face like a skin mask and he's saying, like, there is an idea of a Patrick Bateman. Um, however, I'm just simply not there. Uh, indicating that he's everything is a front. All of his, like, his public life is not who he really is. It's just, like, a character that he portrays to get by in life and to fit in. Um, and that's a very important theme, I think, for the rest of this movie that gets teased at the very beginning. So as I was saying, we're introduced right away to the idea of a Patrick Bateman even though he is not an actual human being. Um, immediately, we kind of realize that he does not give a fuck about anybody that's in his life, specifically his own girlfriend named Evelyn, who is just, uh, it sounds just like Evan. And um, oh, so I have to say that this character, Evelyn, played by Reese Witherspoon, is a great fucking comedic foil for Patrick Bateman because... She is also clearly just like a high class being that has no fucking idea how she's being treated. And we're, we open up like there's a party scene where it's introduced that Patrick Bateman is cheating with her best friend. Um, and he does it like all the time and he doesn't seem to care. And he also, I think, acknowledges that his own girlfriend is cheating on him with somebody else. Um, he does. Oh, yeah. They both are cheating on each other right. with other people and they just don't right. give a fuck but they pretend that they do there's lots of just pretending in general with this movie of looking a certain way that's one of the main themes that no one is really right. who they say they are everyone's just putting on this facade but patrick is just very very different and a lot darker and one of the things that patrick bateman constantly gets set off by is other people particularly those around him or people that he thinks are better than him like paul allen mistaking him for people that he is not like they just think that he is some other guy and they often will shit on their ver well who they think patrick bateman is right in front of him and he has to go along with it um which is hilarious um but yeah mainly it's this character fucking paul allen played by jared leto who they go out to dinner with and they go to a restaurant called dorcia and it's like throughout this entire movie dorcia is this restaurant that Patrick Bateman cannot get into because it is too high class. It is always booked up and he cannot get in there. Um, and it frustrates him to no end. And it's kind of like another very important, like also a very good, like world building thing that 
everybody in this community is trying to get in there, but the only person that can is this guy, Paul Allen. Well, I think what happens is they go to the Christmas party and then they decide that I think it cuts from there and we go to Dorcia where Bateman sort of lures. He gets actually. I don't think we ever make it to Dorcia in that movie. No, I don't think I don't we ever see so. it because when he's with Paul Allen, they go to some rodeo bar. And oh, one yeah. of the main reasons it. just to get way ahead that Patrick ends up killing Paul is because Paul's pissed that he's at right. this restaurant. And, and they not shit Dorsey. all over the yeah. staff I could have gotten at that Tex-Mex in. restaurant, wherever yeah. they fucking go. Yeah. Um. We never <laughs> see Dorcia. That's why it's the ultimate villain of the film. We don't even see it. We just hear the guy that works at Dorcia shitting yeah. on Patrick. Literally dreams. laughing at him when Patrick tries to make a reservation the same day. Um, nope. So anyways... I think we have a scene in which Patrick does get denied from Dorcia. He tries to make reservations there. And at home, Patrick is shown like working out like, like very much like aggressively working out to either porn playing on his TV, like porn tapes or another scene where he's fucking just watching Texas chainsaw massacre. And he's just getting fucking hyped to, and working out to that, which automatically kind of tells you this guy's a bit fucking odd. Um, a couple different occasions, he gets caught like saying stuff like, um, what does he say? Oh, he's like, he's talking to a bartender early in the movie and he's, he just says right behind her, like, you're a stupid bitch and I'm going to play with your blood. And she doesn't hear him or she chooses not to hear him. Yeah. doesn't even right. acknowledge and it. And it's pretty clear that he does not give a fuck about anybody if they're not helping him out. Um, <laughs> We also don't even know he if he really said that. He may not have even that. said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could have been a figment of yeah. his imagination. It's because it's a thing that nobody responds back to any of the ridiculous right. shit that he says. Regardless, Bateman eventually sort of gets to the first real like telling scene in the movie where um, – well, let me ask you guys this. What happens first? Does he go out to the homeless guy or does he deal with Paul Allen first? I think his first kill yeah, is the homeless I think, guy. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And that's it right shows after you what kind of a lunatic he is. He has this big speech about how we need to help people who are poor. We need to look out for the marginalized. It's right after yes. that scene where he gets on his, this pedestal, gives this like social justice speech, and then immediately goes out and yeah, kills a homeless he, person. And, and curbs sounds all over him. Tells him he smells like shit, needs to get a job. Did you lose your job from drinking, you fucking loser? I will say and then immediately just that scene with the homeless man is probably the most gruesome I think this movie gets. Or one of the top two yeah. scenes where he just stabs a homeless man. At first he tries to help him. Then he tells him that he smells like shit and he needs to get a fucking job. And then he just he says, I don't even want to associate with you or something like that. He says, I, I have, have nothing in common with you. with you. And then he just stabs him <laughs> just after the homeless man does nothing and then curb stops his dog. <laughs> and uh, that is a pretty shocking. I remember watching that for the first time. I was like, what the absolute fuck is going on with this guy? Uh, <laughs> Rainer, what were your thoughts? You just got done watching that movie. What did you think of that scene? It was the first time we see him uh, get a kill. So I think it, it, it delivered. I really didn't like the fact that he Chris killed hates the dog. when dogs are killed. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, that part, I, yeah. that part was too Rainer funny. always gets pissed about this dogs getting killed in movies. I'm with him on that. That upsets him. I'm with him on that. That's fucked up. 
it just it's obviously it's where the movie turned and you know he starts killing people like they they they're playing up that this guy's clearly crazy like the way he acts is like you know so strange and then he just goes out and kills somebody for no reason but i don't know like they get to it later but i don't know if this is actually his first kill or not like this might be like what is in the middle of his killing right. spree maybe he, well, he claims that he kills 40 people, and we only see, like, six. Yeah. Correct. So we're probably Yeah, we're getting in ahead of ourselves here. Through. Let's let's jump to the important yeah. scene, the, like, the probably the iconic kill from this movie, in my opinion, which is the, the luring of uh, Paul Allen to his own apartment, where he <laughs> fucking gets Paul drunk, takes Jared Leto up to his apartment, lays out a bunch of newspaper and then just fucking starts playing Huey Lewis in the news and talking to him about how great Huey Lewis in the news is. And he's playing hip to be square, which is just a hilarious song to fucking play while you take out an ax and then head chop a motherfucker and uh, continue to just unload on him. And also the fucking, this scene is hilarious. Like he's dancing. He's like his moves while he's trying to describe to him like, while he's about to fucking murder this dude is absolutely hilarious. And I love fucking the acting in this scene. It's definitely one of my favorites. Um, Paul Allen is just fucking beside himself. He's hammered as shit. And he's like, is that a raincoat? <laughs> yes, Paul, it is. Um, so it's just fucking a great scene. And it sets him up. That's the first kill of like a, one of the other like people in his life. That's not just a homeless guy or a dog. Um, then he fucking puts his ba- his body in a bag, takes him down to the apartment hotel, and then he runs into his coworker Lewis as he's putting uh, Paul Allen's body in a car. And Lewis asks him, "Where did he get that des- designer bag from?" It's fucking hilarious, and is also leaving a trail of blood in the hotel lobby <laughs> as he's taking out Paul Allen's body. Oh yeah, and no one seems right. to care. No, no one even. No. says anything about he that. He runs into three obvious. different people while disposing a body and not a single person has any idea right. what's going on. So, anyways, and then um, Bateman does a little bit of cleanup work. He goes to Paul Allen's apartment and tries to kind of come up with an alibi of he re-records like a phone message for Paul Allen and packs a bag and sort of creates a story that Paul's going to London for a while. Um so, anyways, that's that's how you see Patrick deal with his fucking, like, psychopathic rage for the first time. Um, and then immediately we go into, like, a very interesting scene where we get introduced to William Defoe's character, uh, Detective Kimball, Donald Kimball. And he comes to his apartment and is starting to ask Patrick some questions regarding Alan's disappearance, mentioning that Alan may have been seen in London um, but Bateman as a fellow vice president of his, uh, sort of gets grilled for a couple of questions and Bateman clearly is putting on a fucking act and it's not a very good one, but he gets away with it after this first interaction, um, with Willem Dafoe's character. Then we cut into another fucking iconic scene where Patrick invites two prostitutes over to his apartment. One of them is just a girl on the street, and another one is an escort that he orders from like a service, and they meet up. And he gives them these characters. One of them is named Christy, another one's named Sabrina. And uh, he goes into this, another Huey Lewis-like monologue, talking about Phil Collins. And he starts playing fucking Susudio by Phil Collins. And he has them... Just do like these, I absolutely like the phrasing that like Patrick Bateman does to like get them to like stare at each other's assholes or like 
eat their assholes. It's very Michael Jackson. It's incredibly uh, oh yeah hilarious in my opinion. But it's it's just he's trying to be very calming about it, and he sets he's setting up like a movie tape while he's recording them, and then he just starts having sex with them, and the whole time he's just staring at himself in the mirror, like flexing his muscles, paying attention to himself, and uh, another fucking in my opinion great fucking scene, like comedic scene where he's just in love with himself. And then it's kind of implied after he has sex with them, like they go to bed, and then it's seen that he goes over to his like um, dresser and he starts pulling out these knives. And it's kind of implied that he tortures them using like a, I think he uses, he takes out like a metal coat, coat hanger, if I remember right. And you don't see anything so, on yeah. screen. Did they really show that? I thought they didn't show they it. Didn't I show, it. show them leaving show afterwards. Pulling the yeah. tools out. And then it cuts, it cuts to them leaving. So we don't yeah. actually see any bruises, And they just yep. rush out of there without saying a word. Patrick pays them on their way out. And uh, it's kind of on the first watch, like a very strange scene. Like you don't really understand what happened there. Um, but that's him sort of getting out his fucking like sick hicks, I guess, out of his way. Um, then, oh, then we get a very iconic scene where Lewis... Our friend Lewis Carruthers gets a new business card and shows it off, and it's clearly the top business oh. card. Patrick Bateman once again gets incredibly sweaty looking at this high class business card, which is again just a hilarious thing to get like completely sweaty about, and it shows how fucking shallow and facetious he is. Um, and anyways, it actually piques Patrick's like, um, what would you say is like psychopathic rage? I think. I think that's why he goes yeah. into the bathroom, correct? Am I wrong on that? Yeah, anytime that someone one-ups him in any way, the rage immediately right. comes out. And he can't even contain it for like a day. It's that very second. I need to murder yes. whoever just So he decides and we kind to of go see that. meet our friend Lewis in the bathroom. And uh, it's kind of just implied with the way Lewis acts that he's a bit light on his feet, if you will. And uh, there's this another fucking hilarious in my opinion hilarious scene where he is about to strangle lewis in the bathroom while he's washing his hands and lewis completely dissuades him from killing him by just kissing his hands and implying that like oh patrick i didn't know that you were like this and uh he implies that he's been looking at him for a long time and uh tries to make i think it's fair to say that uh, Lewis is trying to bang Patrick Bateman after this uh, particular occasion. And Patrick Bateman is caught so off guard that he, again, almost is like brought to tears by what he's doing and like washes his gloved hands and is delivers the first iconic line of, I need to go deliver some videotapes and leaves the bathroom, leaves the restaurant. And then Lewis, fuck. Is it delivers or returns? It, I thought Charlie, he said, I need, I, to go need to I need to go return some videotapes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that scene fucking happens. Um, so, yeah, Bateman gets the fuck out of there. Kimball, Detective Kimball, William Defoe, comes back a second time, and he's talking to Gene, and again is trying to pin down where Patrick Bateman has been because there are some inconsistencies with Paul Allen's disappearance. Um, then Kimball basically... <laughs> I don't know. He gets him off his game and realizes that Bateman, Bateman realizes himself that he might be in some trouble and that this guy may seriously be considering him for this. 
And I think this kind of starts like a paper trail of Bateman being heavily implied. I don't know. It, it seen, can be interpreted a lot of different ways. But for me, the second interview, I can tell that Kimball is on his trail. Uh, but he just hasn't put it all together yet. Um, well, he pulls out a CD of Huey Lewis in the news, which that part right there gave me the hint. Like, oh, he's on to his ass. If he's if he's pulling out the track that he murdered this man to out of the blue, unprovoked. Yeah, that kind of tip. And it's not. Know. It's pretty clear. Bateman does not know how to handle this investigation. Like, he is not prepared for being investigated. Um, so anyways, we cut to another scene where they go to, I believe they go to a dance bar and we have another iconic scene where they just start blowing fucking Coke, Patrick Bateman and one of his other fucking vice presidents start blowing Coke in the bathroom surrounded by all these other fucking high class, terrible people. Just what are they doing? I think they're, they're fucking snorting crack, right? If I'm not mistaken. They're also, yeah, they're all doing, they're all doing eighties blow. And, um, Patrick sort of meets another model, a uh, blonde model. Um, also, Bateman does kind of put out early in this movie that all of his girlfriends or women that he lures into his apartment, they're all blonde, other than one woman who's redheaded towards the end. But um, he hi- or he talks to a girl, sort of lures her back. Um, again, it's implied that they've kind of Bateman's killed her because he go it cuts to another scene where he's back at his office and he has a piece of her blonde hair in his fucking shirt pocket and he's fucking playing around with it. Um, anyways, that scene was fucked in my opinion because a little bit later, Patrick decides to go on a date with his secretary, Jean, who wants to go to Dorcia and we open the fridge and that model's head is just chilling, literally chilling in his fridge. Um, and then we have a very, probably the most tense scene of the movie where Jean is talking to Patrick about her life goals and Patrick is sort of uh, talking to her just to distract her long enough to pull out a nail gun. And he, at one point he's got a nail gun right to his head, but he's saved by his girlfriend calling him, asking if he's going out seeing anybody. And uh, Patrick is very much just thrown off by this phone call or voicemail that Jean clearly hears and ruins their entire date. Um, and Patrick kind of says that I can't control myself. Um, it would be best if you leave. So Jean luckily survives. She's the only one I think that survives Patrick's luring to his apartment out of all of his victims throughout the course of this movie. Um, so anyways, that was, I like that scene. That was a very tense scene and, uh, Jean gets away. Now I think we go back to the scene where Bateman has a third, a lunch date with Donald Kimball where in this scene, it's almost implied that Kimball kind of has him, like, dead to rights. But at the very last second, right when Patrick is also just, like, aggressively salting his steak and can't keep his fucking shit together, he's, like, profusely sweating this entire occasion, he gets bailed out by an excuse that pins Bateman at a uh, dinner, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, he does. So Bateman... And that ends up clearing, that clears him yeah, too. It's he gets an alibi off. for him. So like we, we thought we had him and he gets the detective right. actually I think it's like a fellow associate said that he yeah, saw him. He, he gives right. him his own alibi. And again, this is just another point to prove that people don't know who the fuck Patrick Bateman is. They probably had lunch with another like fucking vice president, but they don't know who the fuck anybody is because they're all the same. 
So they accidentally gave uh, Bateman an excuse to get off. So again, very sort of crazy scene where Bateman like is dead to rights and gets excused and is not held liable for his actions. Um, so anyways, I love that scene. I love all the scenes with William Dafoe and I think they're like very telling and they kind of make a lot of the points I think the director or writer wants to make. Then we go to um, our second occasion, our second encounter with Christy, where he goes back to the street corner and goes to the street prostitute who said it reveals that she almost had to have surgery for what happened last time. But Patrick nonetheless sort of persuades her just with sheer amounts of cash. And uh, he kind of uses his charm to get her to come back to his apartment where once again, he has another woman who's like a red haired. I don't know who she's supposed to be. Um, just like an acquaintance of Patrick's and they go this time to Paul Allen's apartment because it's much nicer than Patrick's. Um, it's kind of implied that Bateman drugs, both of them while they're there. And, um, I think this woman's name was Elizabeth, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he starts to have sex with them, but then during sex, Christy tries to escape. And, uh, as soon as she tries to leave it, I think it's implied that Patrick Bateman is like fucking eating her like literally eating her while he's like eating her out. Um, which is a very fucking disturbing scene. I think on the first watch, I remember being like, what the fuck is he doing? Um, but I don't, is that what you guys thought was going on? I, I thought he was stabbing her. I thought you could oh, see yeah, that. I, thought stabbing stabbing her. Her. I think he probably was doing that. Cause when his he emerges, he has blood all yeah. over his mouth. <laughs> So yeah. it almost seemed like he was doing that while simultaneously stabbing right. her at the same time. So yeah. then it goes to a iconic scene of Patrick uh, fucking chasing Christy around his house. Um, and Christy, meanwhile, is discovering all these women's bodies that are just thrown up along uh, Paul Allen's apartment. That's kind of like where Patrick's been killing all these women, or it's implied he is at least. Um, and... <laughs> Bateman is once again fucking just wearing his tidy whities and a pair of fucking white trainers. Not even oh, he's ass, ass naked. naked. Yeah, he's just naked. shoes. That's it. He's ass. The chainsaw is covering yes. his appendages. And he is that's, hunting down Christie with a chainsaw. And what's kind of like a surreal scene, he just drops a chainsaw from multiple flights of stairs up and just impales Christie with this chainsaw. And uh, this is probably like peak serial killer Bateman in this movie. Um, in this particular scene. Um, so anyways, Christy does not get away with it. Bateman does. Christy is dead. Um, then we sort of flip back to Bateman at a scene with his girlfriend and he cuts off his engagement saying it's just not going to work out. And she proceeds to have this fucking huge scene because she's being broken up with by Patrick and uh, Bateman gets out of there using an excuse of he once again has to return some videotapes. Um, so anyways, he breaks up with his girlfriend and then this movie goes into the third act, which is probably like the most bizarre part of the movie where he goes to an ATM and it's told that the ATM tells him to feed him a stray cat. He's about to fucking blast a cat right in front of the ATM. A woman like stops him from doing it and he just fucking unloads on her. And then it turns into a police chase 
Patrick fucking blows up a cop car with his gun, kills a couple cops, goes on a rampage, just killing a bunch, bunch of janitors and receptionists that are just working at this apartment building as he's trying to escape, which is hilarious in my opinion, the way they shot it. Like, Bateman cannot believe what the fuck is going on right now. He's just trying to get away from everybody. Goes back into his um, work office, and then he calls his lawyer and explains to him and comes up with this killer monologue where he, literally a killer monologue, where he admits how many people that he's killed, saying, like, I had to kill a lot of people, and, like, <laughs> admits that he's been, like, cooking a couple of their brains and eating them. And, uh, I mean, once again, like, it's very heavily implied that Patrick is just, like, a maniac, like, off screen. We don't see a lot of the kills, but says he's killed maybe 20, 40 people, and um, leaves this all in voicemail form to his lawyer. And uh, he actually just, we cut from this scene of him making this confession in his apartment, or from his office back to his apartment where he just gets on with his day, um, runs into his own lawyer at a party, and his lawyer thinks it's a gigantic fucking joke, and he also mistakes him for another fucking person, not Patrick Bateman. And Patrick is like desperately trying to convince him who he is and that he actually killed a lot of people. And this lawyer is like, you got to stop this joke. And he says, I killed Paul Allen. And then the lawyer comes up with this kind of like a plot twist that he just had lunch with Paul Allen in London um, a couple days ago, which completely just throws fucking Patrick Bateman off. And this whole scene is cut with Gene, his secretary, finding drawings of the explicit, like, fucking murderous things that he's been doing. Paul Allen's apartment is completely fucking clean when he goes back to it to clean it out after that occasion, and there's a realtor there that's trying to sell it. All new paint, there's no bodies left behind at all, and the realtor advises Patrick Bateman never to return. So it, a bunch of very strange, fucking bizarre things happen in the third act. And ultimately, the movie ends with Patrick Bateman saying that I don't get held to fucking my responsibilities. Um, my punishment continues to elude me. All of this has meant nothing. And then the movie ends. So it's a very bizarre ending for a first watch. I remember being just so fucking confused by that third act that I didn't understand what the point of the movie was supposed to be. So anyways, that's the end of the credits. Um, Bateman continues to live his life free and we're not sure if anything that he's been doing is real or not based on his fucking sketches. It might just be implied that none of it happened by that Paul Allen apartment being completely clean and nobody knows who the fuck he is. So anyways, it's kind of a bizarre ending. I'm just trying to state it like as plainly as possible. Um, I'll ask the guys who watched this for the first time. Sauce and Chris, what did you think? upon first watch. I mean, you could take it two different ways. I, I don't know. There's either you could take it that this is all made up and it's just in his head. He was just crazy. Um, those drawings kind of reveal it. Or you could also take it that he could, all these things actually did happen and it was real and um, he could just get away with whatever the, the fuck he, want, he wants to um, because these people are so rich and so in their heads that um, they can't even recognize their own identities. So you could take it one or two ways. And I actually did, like, usually after I watch all these movies that have kind of crazy endings that don't make a ton of sense, I watch YouTube videos on afterwards. And um, the director actually did not intend for it to be, to come off like this was all made up, I guess. Um, I watched online that she didn't intend for that to 
be how it came about at all. She said she intended for it to be um, like he was actually really doing these things. So um, I guess just the way it portrayed with a movie, you could take it both ways. But she said that was not at all what she planned on intending, apparently. So I just found that interesting. I always thought that it was him doing those things the entire time, but they kind of tried to make it seem like it it maybe wasn't real. But I also think the things that he would say to people, like the random, you know, out of pocket things he would say, and then they wouldn't even react and the conversation would continue. Like otherwise I'm pretty sure it was like just in his head. So I think the director tried to show at least some things that, they showed you, but didn't really happen right. in real life, I guess. It, it's definitely the case of the unreliable narrator where what we're being shown may not actually be what's actually happening. And I think that's like heavily, like she put a lot of that into this movie. So I'm a little skeptical almost of her own or that YouTube video saying that because there are like maybe like 20 or 30 different scenes in this that you can absolutely sort of depict this all as in his head. Um, but I think there is like one yeah. critical scene that sort of, illustrates the point of this movie when we first get introduced to paul allen in the restaurant they all look over at a character who they show us or they think is paul allen and that is not jared leto that's sitting down there as far as i know when i first watched it on this last one that is just some guy um and it's not played by jared leto which implies that this motherfucker like nobody knows who paul allen is and throughout the entire movie we know no one knows who patrick bateman is um and as much as it pisses him off, that is kind of like the reason why he is frustrated because there is no sense of identity with any of these high-class people. They're all pieces of shit. They are all one type of person, which is just the worst type of person that can commit a murder and murder all these people that are innocent or they're lesser than him. And he can get away with it because they get covered up by other members of the rich community. Um, and then even at the end, when we have that last scene with William Defoe. They actually, I, or maybe it's the second scene, they imply that there's been some trouble identifying. There was like some mistaken identity going on with Paul Allen when he was in London. And then at the very end, this lawyer says he knows he had lunch with Paul Allen. He may have, he may also not know who Paul Allen is. So he may have killed him. And this lawyer just thinks he had lunch with Paul Allen. So there's so much in this. The yeah. lawyer didn't even know he was talking to Patrick right. Bateman. So it's very possible that he was with someone completely different and just assumed Correct. it was Paul Allen. Just some other Correct. yuppie out in London. Yeah. So I think that's the other side that the um, director was kind of going for. So, And she seemed kind of up in arms about that opinion as well, that people were coming away with that opinion that it could be all made up. She seemed like very strong opinion about that. So I don't know, maybe you guys can look that up and watch it as well. I just kind of YouTube the ending and kind of it explained. And there was just an interview with her and she was up in arms about people thinking it could be right. maybe made up with that drawing at the end there. But I think that's going to come with any movie. People can interpret it in multiple right. different ways. And I kind of actually I like appreciate that. that. I'd, I'd rather have it be that way than just, than just black and white. I think it gives this for movie sure. a ton of rewatchability way more to discussion. it too. Yeah, because oh, you're yeah. trying to figure out what yeah. actually happened, what was yeah. complete bullshit. Like I, my second time watching it, I my whole mentality was what was concrete that actually happened. What could possibly right. be in his head? And I still don't even know. Like everything yeah. is out the window. Like 
we don't know if he actually did anything. There's nothing really yeah. concrete. I would say, too, this is also so. my third watch of this, and I pick, pick up something new every single time, which I love about it. And it stays consistently hilarious mm-hmm. to me. Like, the delivery of some of the lines by fucking Patrick Bateman and Christian Bale is absolutely hilarious. When he is, like, losing his mind is just fucking great acting, in my opinion. And um, another thing, too, I just wanted to say for you guys um, – I read I read something that William Defoe all of his scenes they were they basically recorded William Defoe the, like his acting style the director said we're going to shoot you as if you know that Patrick Bateman is the killer of Paul Allen we're going to shoot it as if you suspect he's the killer of Paul Allen and we're going to shoot it as if you have no idea that it's Patrick Bateman who killed Paul Allen and then what she actually used in the movie was a mixture of those scenes together. So every time you see William Dafoe, at least in the first scene, they flip from him suspecting it's Paul Allen, or sorry, suspecting it's Patrick Bateman, to him not knowing it and playing it off as if he's stupid. And I think it makes for a very like interesting POV as if you're Patrick Bateman yourself and you don't know what to think about this fucking detective because you don't know, you're a psychopath. You do not know how to read other human beings. So I really appreciate that. I thought yeah. that was a super cool little fun fact about it. So, see, yeah. I don't even think William Defoe's character was was. He may real. not have been. Nothing ever became of. How him. would he be able to like like I I genuinely think that Patrick was just coming up with the shit in his head. Like it's his own paranoia, like projecting itself. Because right. how would even if he knew Patrick did it, how would he know to pull out Huey Lewis? Yeah, that news? scene is. Like that's almost there's no reason. Specific. Yeah. That does kind of make it like, watching that the second not time real. when I saw that, I I just assumed, okay, so this guy just yeah. straight up doesn't exist. This is Patrick right. projecting his paranoia into like like creating right. a detective to the other thing. Questions. The other that's scene, in my opinion, it. that makes zero sense plot wise is the murder of um Christy, where she is screaming her lights off in this apartment building and no one comes to her aid at all. I think that very much could have been in his head. Yeah, he killed her with a chainsaw right. on a staircase in a yeah. fully and he's inhabited like running, apartment. And he's, yeah, he's revving the chainsaw. He's running throughout the, the complex with the chainsaw yeah. and not a Ass soul naked. walking around. Yeah. 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 So, another seems I like I think that's the scene. beauty of the movie is you just have no idea of, of like what really happened, what's in his head. It gives it unlimited right. rewatchability. Just going back, did this actually oh. happen? Is there concrete evidence? For sure. Um, that was all at Paul Allen's apartment too, as yes. well, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's always kind of got that where he was able to separate himself and kind of do things as mm-hmm. Paul Allen or the other guy. He would he would be would be Mark Marcus Salvatore. something, and he would, he would yeah. And that's what they thought he was, right? Yeah. they thought he was Marcus. Yeah. yeah. And then his lawyer at the so, end calls yeah, he, him. He was just doing things as other people, which would kind of go go in the favor of him being able to do those things and get away with it. The lawyer calls him Davis at the very okay. end of the movie. So Correct. Just completely <laughs> other fucking guy. The guy had four different identities throughout right. the entire movie. Which, when I watched it for the first time, I had no idea. Like, why are they calling this guy Marcus? His name is Patrick. I didn't even pick up that they're mistaking him for someone else right. my first time watching I will- it. Which is why it was more enjoyable watching it the second time, knowing, oh, this dumbass thinks yeah. he's somebody else. I will stress again, I, I personally think like there is so much comedy in this movie 
that it, it probably is the funniest movie that we reviewed yet, in my opinion. It's probably funnier than Creep. Um, but I just fucking love the acting choices and like just the ridiculousness of some scenes, like the cop car exploding, and then he like looks at his gun, like what the fuck? Like there's just lots of like <laughs> hilariously, like not super obviously like laugh out loud funny stuff. But like when you watch it as a whole, it's like this movie is just crazy. Like they'll never they, like the cast was perfect for it in my opinion. Like I loved fucking everybody in this. Um, Did you know who was originally cast yeah, as Patrick Bateman? I looked into this. It was yeah. DiCaprio, yeah. They had a inc- literally not a single person in the original casting, like, yeah. roster of it right. is in that movie. Wait a minute, like, you said they were they originally casted yes. DiCaprio for it? Yeah, yeah. they had so originally wow. they had a two hundred million dollar budget with all these big name actors, and then once they actually read the script, they were like, "This will end my career if I do." Nobody this wanted to take it on. And <laughs> so Christian Bale had been on board since day one. They casted him. Caught him, got DiCaprio, that fell apart, and then they brought Christian Bale back in. Hmm. So it's kind of a crazy story of how this movie. I think I did see that on YouTube too. That he talked about, like he was committed to still doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, At one point, he didn't get the role, but he still said he was on board, and then they brought him back. Yeah, he was still working out to like get the Patrick Bateman look, even as they were moving forward with DiCaprio, because he just knew in his heart somehow that he was it was going to end up back to him somehow. I I do think DiCaprio would do a probably a fantastic job in that role. Either way, I don't think anyone's stopping what Christian Bale. I loved him so much. His look too. He just goes all in to everything he does. Like he is a. DiCaprio could have been fucking Paul Allen. There's no doubt about that, though. He would have made it for a great Paul Allen. Oh, yeah. He would have been perfect so, for Paul Allen. No matter what. Is that who he was supposed to be, no, or was he supposed to be Bateman? He was supposed to be Bateman. Yeah. I don't know. I think he would have done a good job. So, yeah. I think that kind of mostly does it for the the plot synopsis. Um, I suppose we could talk a little bit about... Um, Fucking Giuseppe. I don't know if you guys had any obvious Giuseppe's that come to mind. I I have one for sure, but I'm curious who you guys if you put pegged anybody as fucking Giuseppe. I think Rainer City did. I don't have any immediate one that comes to mind. To be honest with you, so I'm not great with the the names, the, char- the straight, of... the minor characters. Yeah, there's there's basically Bateman's circle of friends. He's got the three guys he hangs out with, and it's one of them, one at the end who is sitting there like watching the TV, commenting on. Uh, oh yeah, it's Reagan who's like doing like, that's a Bryce address. Timothy Bryce. Um, Bryce, Tim Bryce was uh, one of my first nominees for. Okay. Giuseppe, I agree. He does have some Giuseppe like qualities. I will give this one to fucking Lewis. However. That motherfucker cracked me the fuck up with that bathroom scene. So I think he's got the comedy angle down, and he was not a major character at all. So I'll ask Evan, too, now that you're back. That's right. Sorry, I had to piss. We're nominating a Giuseppe right now. Are you familiar with what a Giuseppe is, first and foremost? Is that the funniest character in the Chris, why don't you you explain what a Giuseppe is to our friend Dog? Oh, I mean, that's a fun interpretation to say it's the funniest. It's a character who typically has a funny role. Um, not a <laughs> Oh, it's so role. obvious in this movie. It's yeah. it's the gay guy. 
whatever is oh, it Huey? Is that his name? Lewis. Lewis. Huey. Huey. Yeah, that's Lewis, who John nominated. Whatever. Yeah, it's it's got to be him. All right, so you're ever seen he was in was hilarious. to nominate Bryce. Yeah. Who's uh, fill me in on? I, I know everybody's face in it. Bryce I, the was names the dude are tough at the end. They're so talking replaceable. Reagan, talking about Reagan. Yeah. Oh, he had a pretty good monologue about it. He was talking about how Reagan portrays this like strong conservative American, but on the inside, he's a fucking yeah. maniac, right? <clears throat> Wasn't that his? So, so he had actually one of the most profound monologues yeah. in the whole movie. He like summed up Patrick Bateman. You could say about Paul Reagan. Allen's a Giuseppe as well. There's lots of like all these minor fucking. Paul Allen yeah. was pretty funny, in it. but I think he's a little bit too integral to the part, plot. Unlike fucking Lewis or Bryce, so I kind of want to give it to the two of them. So yeah. I will let Sauce decide the tiebreaker yeah. as always. My vote is definitely going to be for Lewis. Lewis. It is. So I think actually, pretty... can I can I change no. my vote? I, why not? Them. The yeah. clearly funniest people in the whole movie are the the, the, the Chinese people Fuck working no. at the uh, dry no. cleaning store. Yeah, they're hilarious. They're jamming, they're jamming Patrick Bateman up, and they're the first time that he gets clearly furious. Yeah, with that's some true. People. That's the first time we see Bateman on those guys were hilarious. Yeah, who does he meet there? Some random never lady, some random chick that never comes back in the entire. She has like four yeah. lines and she's out. That's another thing about this movie is there's a bunch of characters that show up yeah. for one scene, say a couple of lines, such as the, the goth people, like had no at the impact. Beginning. Yeah, that, I still don't understand yeah. how those goth people were hanging Lewis's, out. Lewis's that makes fiance no sense that Patrick's cheating with that's off the lithium. Never see her again. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was friends with them. She, the had, she had a couple. couple of scenes. What happens is Bateman like bangs her. And more than one. She just least. he just goes away. Like she just never comes back to her. No, at one point they're laying in bed together, and she said, "If you don't call me by Easter, have a nice life." She at least yeah, that kind of closure. She didn't just. Like, I don't know if that was closure. Me. I thought that was honestly almost suicidal. I don't suicidal. know what the fuck was going on there. Well, that shit. Like that if, chick like have a nice like, life. Like I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah, that's what I. That's the way I interpreted it. Because she well, called him back. And like thought about saying one more thing and then just said forget it and left. Like I thought she might be suicidal. One thing that's interesting with her character is when he's out to dinner with her and tells her she's at Dorcia and she's so fucked up on drugs that she literally can't even stay awake. That is the happiest that Patrick Bateman is in the entire movie. When she where her head hits the table, he realizes, Oh, I don't have to pretend to be point. someone to this chick. I can just sit here he was and also- eat my dinner. Yeah. That was one thing I picked up on watching. On I feel it like he was also time. very happy to admit his crimes to his lawyer during that monologue, and when he's talking to him in person, like it's like a like a fucking load off his chest that he's finally admitting to somebody. But yeah, like yeah. he's pissed off at the end because and that load happened. almost gets. Yeah, yeah, that load gets stolen from him because that guy doesn't give a shit. He's like, "Ah, oh, that's funny," yeah. and he tried walking away. So, anyways, yeah. there's a lot to fucking chew on in this movie, but I feel like we covered a lot of the good stuff. Um, so I think what we'll do now is nominate the villain of the movie and, um, I'm going to elect fucking Patrick Bateman because he at the very least killed a dog and, uh, the homeless guy. And he has the most inflated sense of self-worth I've ever seen in a person ever. So okay. what are you thinking? Yeah, it's gotta be, you think of Pat Bateman? It's gotta be him. Okay. 
Yep. Sauce. I would agree as well, unless having you want to say anything otherwise. Uh, there is a clear villain in this, and the fact that you guys can pick up on this just goes Dorcia. to show you're not true cinema appreciators. It's Dorcia. Dorcia is the villain yeah. of the movie. Patrick Bateman is the protagonist. A protagonist doesn't have to be a good guy. It's just who we follow. And the antagonist is always the person or thing that is at odds with the protagonist. It's Dorcia. That is the one thing he can't control. The one thing he can't get. A restaurant is a villain in this fucking movie. <laughs> and I refuse to hear otherwise. What do you guys think? Rainer? I think that's a fair point. <laughs> I mean, Bateman's an anti-hero for sure. Like, he's he's your main character. He's your anti-protagonist. Whatever you want to call it. But the uh, elusive Dorcia was <laughs> never displayed on screen. So... You know, I don't think it's. A, I don't know. It doesn't have enough presence to be able to be nominated as the the villain. Listen, we hear Dorcia's sweet whispers over the phone. It's it's right there. He can listen to Dorcia, but he can't be in it. And I think that's more powerful than even showing a villain. <laughs> that this Dorcia villain is so play. above this person that he can't even look at it. I think that's more <laughs> powerful than having a villain on screen. I'll go so far to say that Dorcia is actually the protagonist of this movie. <laughs> it's a motivator. So you could honestly, you could make probably make a decent claim with that. That Dorcia is like paradise, but scumbags like Pat Bateman yeah. can never get. There's lots of pieces, pieces of, of shit, shit in this movie, but Bateman, Bateman like is for sure, in my opinion, the worst. Um, you could say Paul Allen's a, a true oh, yeah. piece of shit too, with the way he shoots that waiter in that restaurant. So <laughs> he's not, no, he's not murderous, murderous anymore, but he is though. certainly a piece of shit. Yeah, he's Pat just a straight up asshole. Is raping and murdering throughout this entire movie. And he didn't drug women, regardless. So, so yeah. there's lots of lots of villain villainous yeah. behavior from PB. Anyone will seem like a piece like anyone compared to Patrick Bateman is going to seem like a saint. Not saying that they're good, but compared to what he's doing, he takes yeah. it to a whole nother level. Um, all right, I think we can fucking book Pat Bateman. So we'll put that in the history books. Mark yep. him. We'll come back to that at the end of the year when we're giving out fucking villain awards because I think he's a strong fucking villain. Um. <laughs> So now I think what we'll do is we'll do everyone's favorite fucking segment, which is favorite scene. Now, this movie, for me at least, is a very difficult movie to pull a favorite scene from because there's a lot of fucking gold in this movie, unlike Saw Deuce. So I will say for a fact that I'm going to go fucking last or second last because I have no idea which one I actually want to call my favorite. So I will open the floor to Sauce or Chris. If you guys have a favorite scene, you get first pick of the letter. I'm ready. All right, Chris, let her rip. Yeah, um, it's pretty easy. I'm glad you're allowing me to go first. I'm afraid this was going to get chosen, but I mean, it, it's got to be the death of Jared Leto, of Paul Allen. And I, I'll take it to the point to where he, he just comes up, he swings the axe into the face, you know, kind of like gashes him a couple more times and then just goes like sits down he's got blood on half his face he smokes a cigar like that whole sequence is yeah is pretty sick so that's that's my easy choice Do you like his dance moves scene. when he's getting ready and, oh yeah the whole thing in front of that too is great but you know i don't want to pick a 10 minute segment as a no that's a, that's a good one I, i'll accept that as a, an entire scene from the point where paul allen arrives in his apartment 
And he asks if he has a little chow or something like that to the point where he is fucking hauling him out of there in a body bag right through the lobby um, is definitely a fucking highlight of this movie. Yeah, the definitely the soundtrack in general. The highlight's highlight great. Of the movie. It all works really well with the fucking vibe of the movie, I have to say. So I'll give the fucking the team who made this a lot of credit because this could have been a complete shitter of a movie if handled improperly. Um, but it works. It just works the way mm. it is. So, Sauce, I will give you the second crack if you have a scene you'd like to select. Alright, I'm going to take another easy one. I'll make you guys work for some uh, more interesting scenes, but another very easy one is the scene where um, he calls up the two hookers and uh, just there's Phil Collins playing in the background just Ask him, you like Phil Collins? <laughs> just that whole scene in general, the, the dialogue that's going on. Um, I forget the hooker's names, but just tell us the one. Bend down so she can yeah. stare at your asshole. And then don't eat just it. stare at it. Eat, eat it. it or lick it. or whatever. <laughs> whatever. That whole His line delivery on that was fucking beautiful. Oh, yeah. It just ext- makes it Chrissy, extremely don't awkward. Don't just stare at her asshole. Eat it. Yeah. He's, like, oh. he's very serious about it. The delivery... Um, just the whole Phil Collins comment. Um, he stared at himself in the mirror while he's, you know, blowing their or fucking their brains out. Uh, that's just uh, one of the top scenes by far. So that's a very yeah. easy one for me. He's to fucking pick. flexing in the mirror the whole time. Does not give a fuck about the girls. He's, he oh, wants yeah. to see himself bang people. <laughs> so, all right, good yeah. choice. Evan, I will give you the third crack, but I have one in mind. Unless you want to take it. Okay, so I'm... I'm going to go with the scene where he's at dinner with the, he's with the goth people, the, the gay guy and two of his other buddies. And he's talking about his little rant on like, we need to start having nuclear de-escalation. We need to save the homeless, all that. I like that scene. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I like that scene just because it shows he's projecting the complete opposite of what he really is. Especially paired with the fact that the the second that scene ends, he runs into an actual homeless person who he just had said two seconds ago, we need to help feed, we need to give them money, give give them some mobility. Just fucking stabs the guy. Yeah. It just, I think that sums up Patrick Bateman's character like perfectly. Just the contradictions the man is. I will say that that is a good choice. Um, And I'm glad that you didn't take my favorite scene, which was hidden. It would... I wrote it in my notes. I wrote the legendary scene, and I can't believe none of the three of you guys took it. Um, <laughs> there's, there's more. There, I, I still have other fucking notable scenes to call out, but I will say that this fucking business card scene, oh, I... they are fucking comparing dick sizes, and they're oh, all showing yeah, each that's, other that's the same a, yeah, fucking that business card that's just a little bit different. <laughs> and uh, the way that they describe it with their fucking... That's bone. And like Patrick Bateman is like the cuts, like the camera shots, and then the slow-mo of Patrick Bateman fucking looking at the card. And he's once again like perspiring, looking at Paul Allen's business card. He is Seething. just so angry, it drives him to the point of fucking murder. Um is just fucking another great much like your scene, Evan, just very symbolic of like what the point of this movie is that like these rich people have nothing mm-hmm. better to do and they all are wearing they all have the same haircut they all wear the same glasses and the same suit and they go get their haircuts at the same fucking place all get the same fucking business cards they're all vice presidents in the same company 
um, is just like a very, <laughs> just like significant, like important scene to the movie. And uh, there's like, if you go on YouTube and type in the business card scene, there is all sorts of hilarious shit on there talking about how they shot it and like mm-hmm. the way they break it down <laughs> all to the point of the reveal. And then I guess this even goes into fucking Lewis fucking showing off his card, which has like gold text instead. It's just fucking like comedic gold. And uh, I don't think the movie would be the same without it. So I'm going to pick the fucking business card scene as my, my personal favorite. Um, so yeah. Good choice. That's uh, a good one. But- can I hear another notable yeah, scene you had I, in your mind, also, John? So you, had yeah, a, you had a couple of them. The Can I hear at least one I more? also want to shout out is him like going nuts on the phone, talking to his lawyer, just saying, I killed a lot of people. Like just okay. the acting in that scene, like he's just completely unhinged. <laughs> it's hilarious to me now. Um, and I also think just him fucking blowing up cop cars and just shooting various employees of the apartments without any consequence <laughs> is hilarious. Um like the one guy, like when he, the first guy he kills, I think it's a receptionist is like, I do it today, sir. And Patrick just fuck. It takes out a gun and just blasts him in the head and just keeps walking <laughs> is like just completely hilarious upon rewatch. Um, him fucking just working out to porn and Texas chainsaw massacre is like hilarious to me. Um, the what about the Coke bathroom scene? That's another. That's another. That's, that's another one hilarious. One it's yeah. one of the funniest scenes. There's in the whole just movie. so much good stuff i think there. one of the funniest scenes is when the second time they bring back the business card and like he shows it to him right before the bathroom scene before you know patrick like pretends to kill him or whatever that scene where they bring back the business card for the, the, the lewis time, scene laughing a lot where I'm lewis reveals his card again yeah great <laughs> yeah. scene he's trying to like shoot shit with the brought up over the edge and cells and they're it's talking like about like what to do with women <laughs> and they're just completely objectifying women because they have no idea how to talk to women. Um, and I don't know, just the whole scene is just like a bunch of wall street bros. Like it's a great fucking stereotype today that you see in memes all the time. So uh, yeah, I could probably list off like 50 more, like return some videotapes, the scene with the fucking dry cleaner people is hilarious. Um, Patrick Bateman in his fucking butt-ass naked running through the hallway <laughs> with a chainsaw like there's, there's just too much good shit in my opinion with this movie um so yeah i, I think that'll summarize the favorite scenes there um well did we get evan's official choice? yeah evan evan yeah it's the one where he's going on his little social justice yeah. tangent okay because literally proceeding to stab I, I, the I just like the contradiction it, it just sums his character yeah. up so perfectly they can speak so elegantly out like when he's putting on his facade, but you you know what he really feels a couple yeah. seconds after it. I think that sums him up perfectly. Yeah, his acting is phenomenal when he goes on oh, his yeah. monologues. Oh, yeah. So, I think we got that segment down, and now we go into the main event where we get to get the score out of five. Um, anyone who's listening for the first time or doesn't know, um, we give a score out of five, just like we do with the movie poster. You get one decimal point. And uh, we record all these scores so that at the end of the year we can sort of take a look at them. Um, for this one, I don't know. Does anybody want to share first? I, I've been going back and forth with how what I really want to give this. Because this one's kind of tricky because it's not exactly a mainstream horror. I would say this is probably a comedy first and then a horror movie second mm-hmm. that uses yeah. some horror elements to make it funny. Um, it's a, it's yeah, a, it's a thriller. thriller. Do you guys base this rating strictly off like 
horror movie tropes well, or is it just Chris, did you Chris enjoy the movie own like what, what's your scale he likes to, yeah. uh, maybe you could define it better yourself chris than i can it's something special it's just you know everyone's got their own you know way to rate these movies so mm-hmm. you know put for you evan it's a little different you only have to like rate this as a one-off you know we mm-hmm. have a yeah. running list yeah, yeah, now yeah. it's only to get bigger and bigger that i yeah. try to keep in mind that We'll do like small ratings adjustments here and there, but otherwise, you know, the scores are final, and I want to be honest with the movie compared to the other movies that are going to be on the list. So, this one is kind of like the question we've had in the past: of is this like a scary movie? It's just, it's a scary movie. It's listed as a horror movie on whatever Wikipedia. Hulu says thriller slash drama. Um, you know, John says comedy in a way. It's it's all of the above. You know, but it's definitely got, you know, very graphic scenes, very gory, bloody scenes. So it's a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, I agree. What are you giving it, Rainer? Do you want to lead us off? I, I don't, I'll, 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 I'll just say, like, <laughs> I score my movies on my personal enjoyment of them, and I rate them against. Yeah, That's what I'm going to do. If, I mean, I usually yeah. like to sort of take in mind, like, how scary something was. I like to keep in mind the rewatchability is kind of big for me in particular if I want to give it a really good score. Um, if I think the movie's well made, mm-hmm. I think if there's good acting in it, I think this all just goes into it, it gets boosted up. Um, but really, it's just sort of like a personal taste scale. Like, is this your flavor of movie? Like, the Saw movies for me are not my flavor. Whereas these two guys, they really like that particular style of movie. They they like the body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, At least for yeah, horror, there's no denying those are those are cemented in the horror genre. Um, I kind of like movies that sort of blend the horror genre with other elements, which this one, there's no doubt it fucking does. Um, does it fucking yeah, beautifully so too. I scored, everyone scores a little bit differently. Um, so feel free to give it whatever you feel is necessary. Um, but the rule is you cannot change your score once you give it out. Um, we try to stay, stick to what we give okay. it. Um, so I, I sauce you, if you have an idea, um, you could lead us off or if not, I can. Um, if you want to think about it, if you want to listen to my argument, I think I would like to listen a little bit first, see what you're thinking before I All do. Right. I can go first. first. I don't care. So I'm going to give it a 4.2 okay. because I see it as a psychological thriller. The second, like John, we talked about this a little bit. The, the one scene that, that takes me out of it is when he's one of your favorite scenes, ironically, when he's running down the hallway with the chainsaw and his sneakers and throws the chainsaw yeah. off a flight of stairs. That was the only unrealistic kill, though it's like that yeah. can't happen. When I saw that for the first time, it was like, man, this has been such a, a, a thrill ride of watching just this crazy person who has a very successful life. He was making all of his kills very realistic, like everything was in reality the second that happened i was like what the fuck this is just like this is the type of shit i would expect from friday the yeah 13th, you don't you don't like you know? the uh that kind of drew me out a little bit i don't like the slasher like just crazy kills i want it to just be realistic and every kill had yeah. meaning to it like when paul allen got killed you can see the signs he was talking about his fiance. said he she yeah. had a fat ass he was like, I could have got he us also in the calls him, a fucking dork. him getting killed. Patrick Bateman's dork. Yeah, like him getting killed makes sense. And that's why I think it's such a, a pivotal moment in the movie. Because like this has been the guy he's been seething over the entire time. 
it makes sense why he killed him. He just unleashed his rage on him. I, it would have been a lot higher if that scene wasn't in there. But as like a so cycle, what do you like about it? Then? What do I like about it? Yeah, what are the pros of the movie or or that scene? The movie. It's it's just getting into the mind of a maniac who has this like. Usually, when you think of serial killers, you think of like. John Gacy, who's this scumbag clown, probably making minimum wage every gig he does, living in a trailer. This is a, it flips it on its head where it's this extremely successful guy. He's clearly a multimillionaire and he still has these these itches that he can't fix. And I thought that was so cool that it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a psychopath, you're a psychopath. And all of it was very it okay, was so real. You like the psychopath. Yeah, I like the psychological like insight into him and the second he starts throwing yeah. chainsaws off stairwells it's like ah this isn't it yeah so that's why it's a 4.2 yep. which is i feel like still a really good grade like i oh, every time i go back i pick up something new so it's got the rewatchability so yeah that's my logic in a 4.2 okay i i um agree with a lot of what you say i really like the look at a non-conventional killer um, I, to this day, I haven't seen a killer that's even close to what fucking Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. is. Like, he is just hilariously depicted and also, like, seriously depicted, too, of, like, his motives make sense a lot mm-hmm. of times. He is unstable. Like, couple, the delivery of Patrick Bateman by Pat, um, uh, Christian Bale is perfect in, like, almost all of his scenes, in my opinion. I, I like what the director did with the cutting with the direct, with the detective to really make it look like Patrick Bateman is kind of out of his element with what he's doing and he has no control over the situation. Um, I really like the message about ultimately you can, you can think whatever you want about what actually happened on screen, but the message is, is that rich people are (laughs) fucking atrocious. And the title of the movie American psycho is very appropriate because it's all about like the capitalist version of what a psychopath can be Mm -hmm. and what they can get away with if they really want to, if they have enough money. Um, so I really like that message. I think it's super unique. This movie has some of the most rewatchable value of all the movies that we've talked about so far, because it is so funny in my opinion. And it gel- it gels so well with some of like the serious horror scenes. Um, you can debate that if it's actually horror or not. I think just the tense scenes versus the, the comedy are interlaced really well. So I really like the, the duality of that and it works great. I think all the side characters kind of like, all just sort of illuminate like a weird part of Patrick. Like even the secretary sort of brings out like his more humanistic side when he decides not to kill her. Um, I just, I really like everything about this movie, to be honest with you. I just think the one thing that holds it back, like you said, Evan is a little bit of unbelievability in uh, just like suspension of disbelief with that last act. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. In general, I just think like the silliness of it kind of detracts just a little bit, I think, um, from I think what could be like a very well-driven home point. But for me, this is always like a movie that I would recommend to anybody, even if you don't like horror movies. I think this is a great fucking intro to horror um, that no doubt will make you laugh if you have like a reasonable sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I personally, I, when I wrote down yesterday on my sheet, I had an idea between 4.2 and 4.5. I think I'm actually after our conversation, like just talking about it, what you guys think. I think I'm gonna bump this up to a 4.6, damn, wow. um, which is a very high score for me. Nice. Um, so I'm gonna go with a 4.6. All right, Chris, you want to go next or last? What are you thinking? I'll let it rip. Um, 
I'll rain on the parade a little bit, so to speak. Um, oh, no. Another comedy movie it. that Chris doesn't like. <laughs> I just don't think I like it as much as uh, you two have described so far. So it's got a lot of good things going for it. Like I've said before, I love the soundtrack. Um, I love the references to the artists of, you know, the songs too. And, you know, the in-depth knowledge that he kind of just like monologues about real quick. Whitney Houston, you know, Phil Collins talking about Genesis, all of it. It's, it's, it's all like, like funny to me. So I really like that. And I also just think that some of this movie doesn't make sense to me still. Like after watching it once, my initial reaction was like, I'm kind of confused. You know, like there was that aspect that you talked about, Evan, of, oh, maybe it's all in his head or some of it's all in his head. Um, some of it doesn't really kind of gel, but at the same time, yes, the the lawyer guy could at the same time just think he was with somebody else instead of the real Paul Allen. Mm-hmm. So other than that, you know, the, the movie itself is, is still really fun to watch. You know, there's kind of the porn aspect too. There's just a lot of, a lot of nudity, a <laughs> lot of uh, pornographic a lot of skin. that I don't know if it helps or hurts this rewatch. In my mind, it kind of hurts. It. It's like, once you see it once, you kind of get the point. Like, I don't know if I would, I would probably skip through it the next time I watch the movie. Cause I would get the point either way. Um, I want to give the movie a 3.3. And I think that the movie itself is really good, but I just got disappointed by some of the, the lack of the kill scenes at the end. Like, when he when he brings up the nail gun to her and never, like, you don't see anything else besides that and the situation just diffuses, I was really disappointed by that. A couple other times, like, he was with the two girls in the bed, like, filming. Like, you think he's going to kill, but he doesn't. And then some of the other kills are just real kind of quick scenes. Um, other than that, it, the, the 2000 of it like the real early on take kind of it, it shows a little bit in the final product so i kind of like that aspect though fuck modern cinema where everything's cgi I think, this I is think, as real as it gets <laughs> early 2000s shit is very hit or miss with some people i, yeah, think I people like it don't personally. like the way that the, it's almost that nostalgic when they were shot then i think it was well shot like there was some good camera work done with it i'm not even like kind of griping with that it's just some of the other aspects of it just felt a little cheesy to me i don't know um but that's fair christian bateman or christian bale was christian bateman <laughs> he was fantastic in this and i don't want it to be a knock on his performance i think the movie itself though when they brought back the reference to to like sally screaming in texas chainsaw like i wanted to love it but like they just chose the worst part of it to be because like it just was kind of like an audio jump scare of her screaming and him just kind of like pumping iron or doing push up to it. <laughs> so, I love that. It's it's so weird. Like it makes no sense why he's really working out to that part of the movie. It really did make no sense. And like at the end, it's funny. His final monologue, because like you know Christian Bale is providing the narration to the movie as well, and he says like you know all of this essentially says like all of this meant nothing or like. A lot of what was going on, like, had no purpose. So it kind of leads you at the end, like, that's the last thing you see is, like, well, then why did I watch this? Like, well, was there any purpose for <laughs> what I just watched or no? So that it is was fun to watch. I'd recommend people go see the movie. I don't know if I would say, like, I'm going to 
be yearning to see it again and again, but um, I enjoyed watching it. Okay, that's fair. Fair enough. And then I am bringing it up the rear. Um, But first of all, I want to say to start, Rainer, I can definitely see how you didn't enjoy it as much. I think just to start, I think this is a, a very good movie. Um, we always say this to watch with other people. I think this is a great movie that if you were just going to have a couple of friends over, have a couple of beers, throw something on. I think this is a great movie to do that. Um, but overall, I really enjoy the movie. Kind of the thing that comes to my mind is just to compare this movie to something else just for people watching. Um, this kind of reminds me of a weird way of one of my favorite movies, Wolf of Wall Street, but with a horror aspect in it. Obviously, things are um, a lot different. So, like... Um, it's about someone that's losing their mind, um, but some of the same concepts for the richest fuck. They can do whatever they want, um, but this one just has an aspect They're not of, held accountable. Exactly. So some of the same aspects. Um, this one is a little bit more outdated, but um, I don't know. It's just similar to that. That kind of comes to my mind that those movies are very similar. Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, my kind of humor, so definitely my kind of movie. All the jokes were really funny. There's so many different one-liners I can point to. Um, I thought some of the camera shots were good as well. Like Johnny mentioned the, the card scene with the, the shot on his face, or you can physically see the anger on his face where it's just driving him nuts. Um, yeah. I thought that they do a lot of zoom ins, you know, they get really close to people's yeah. faces, like the detective scene, the end scene. Yeah. Um, so overall I thought the camera work was good. Um, I thought the acting was great. Christian Bell, I thought nailed this role. Um, the supporting cast was good enough. Um, anytime you get William Defoe in there, I haven't seen a movie yet where William Defoe really doesn't deliver, even though he had a minor role. I thought just for being a detective, he did a really good job there. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's stuff I'm missing, but overall, I thought if you break down this plot, um, I think comparing this to some of the other horror movies we watched, I thought this was actually a really good one. I thought that I liked how they kept it open-ended. I like how you can interpret it however you want. So that's unique. Um, yep. Yeah. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, I would definitely watch this again. I would recommend it to anyone. I think this is actually going to take the cake for me for my new highest favorite movie so Ooh. far. Oh. Uh, so I'm going to give it a, a 4.6. Same with 4.6. Nice. All right. I do. And then just to kind of wrap up my, my summary here, I like how it blended comedy with horror. I thought it was a perfect balance between the two. Nice. So. That was a very good movie. We definitely watch again. Very good. I'm glad that you liked it. I, I had a feeling that you would. I, I wasn't sure about Chris because he didn't like Creep and the horror comedy for Chris. I'm just I'm just putting two and two together here. I don't think it's your style, man. I think you like that. <laughs> I think you like the straightforward fucking give me the spooky shit now. John, I like both Creep and this movie. Um, it just kind of wades differently in my scores. So I lo- I would recommend people watch both those movies. I enjoyed watching both of those movies. Evan, just so you know, Chris gave Creep a 1.0. I have yeah. never seen Creep, so I have no idea if that, okay, that makes right sense or Creep. That's one I should watch. I, I think it's on Netflix, out. right? You should definitely watch it. It's, on it's, very creep funny. Out. it's another comedy horror. What, is, what did you guys like give it Creep? Um... I gave Creep a 3.6. Sauce gave it a 2.6. Oh, so <laughs> it doesn't seem that fucking good from that. No, the reason I gave it a 2.6 is because I was really debating. I wouldn't, like Chris, We it's one of those in-betweens where can you even consider it horror? So okay. it was just more, it's, it's it's a, basically, it was a very movie. funny movie, but like we didn't know 
I so took it's a, a it's lot more comedy than horror. Is what yes, so I took yeah. a lot off of my score okay. just because it was funny. Where I think this was like more so horror, and it blended perfectly with the comedy. Yeah. So that's yeah. why, and okay. I'm trying to take it, take my score, and um, kind of forget about that aspect and just give it my personal reaction. And I really mm-hmm. enjoyed this one. So yeah, okay. okay. Well, well, as a podcast, that puts our aggregate score, including Evans, at a four point two, which is um, towards the top. Now that is actually. Uh, Hereditary is still number one with 4.4, but that is tied with The Lighthouse for a new number two Damn. movie as nice. a podcast. Damn. Um, and I had a feeling it would be. I It's just very much like it kind of speaks to all of our personalities. Like I feel like well, everyone sees something pretty good in that. Um, so, Sauce, that's your new number one uh, favorite movie. Um, for me, that is my new numero three. It's tied mm. with number three for the with The Witch for me. And for Chris, this is somewhere in the middle. Yep. Like almost dead center in the middle. And Evan, this is your new number one. Let's go, baby. <laughs> so congratulations. But I, I would say almost everybody, I think like the main thing I want to say is that I think almost everybody can watch this and enjoy it and have a good time with it. I don't think there's anybody that would watch this and not enjoy it. No matter how squeamish or right. burst of horror you are, I think like you can watch this and have fun. Um, unless you watch it with your mom or something like that. Yeah. you got massive mutters in your face all the time. <laughs> um, so, Sauce, let me just do one last check with you. Because are we going to do, um, in the spirit of straight children, are we going to give a, a half score for the Yabos to make this a 5.1? <laughs> no, I think I think that score has in? to factor in the half a star for the Yabos. Okay, 4.6 already has the Yabos in it. And so, just want to say uh, as well, while we're talking about Yabos, I feel like no modern movie has tits in the movie anymore. So I feel like only the old school, like 2000s and under, um, throws tits in the movie. So I don't know. This is something yeah, I noticed. Not all, to this extent. All the modern movies we watch do not have any pornography uh, Midsummer anymore. Midsummer had them, though. Yeah, that's true. But other than that, at least from what I've noticed, no yabos yeah. in the, the movie. Or movie, right. newer movies. Um, Chris. Do we, do we want to do a round of spooky trivia? Yeah, actually, I was just looking, John, um, talking about some graphic nudity. This movie was initially <laughs> given a NC-17 rating, and they tried to like appeal it a bunch of times, but they made what they describe as minor trims to get it back down to an R rating. So this movie was... Uh, I wonder what they trimmed. Yeah, originally was going to get... Wait, American Psycho was originally... 17 nc 17 that is yeah, which, is, which is a step above our yeah oh gotcha okay so like well, extremely i thought it was under our, for, i was gonna say how the fuck is no. that possible okay nope. this movie doesn't strike me as extremely graphic like the way no. like the current cut i mean what strikes me as extremely graphic is terrifier what was terrifier just r i don't know if terrifier was rated no, r i think that may have been r. an unrated it, that it movie, ours, that like, that's the most graphic movie in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. That I I will have to look into that. We should have talked about that in, in the in the episode. I don't think we did though. Um, but Terrifier two I think actually is rated R. I think they stepped it back. I think they scaled it down a little bit to be more commercially available. Um, whenever we end up getting to that, so yeah, we'll figure um, that out. Anyways, that's cool. Um, we all know the. Leonardo DiCaprio trivia. There's a couple of those in here about that. But um, the biggest cost of the movie was the song rights 
for all those songs they use during the kill scenes yeah, and various other scenes. Um, well worth it. Oh yeah, the movie probably wouldn't be the same without it. Those are funny. Um, the the business cards belonging to the the four guys who kind of like whip out their cards all contain the same typo. On the top right, underneath where the company name Pierce and Pierce is listed, the department is written as mergers and acquisitions rather than mergers and acquisitions spelled a different different way. So, what do they misspell acquisitions? Correct, they spell acquisitions incorrectly. <laughs> like so, it's just no. like a funny thing. There's a typo on all of theirs. That's hilarious. I never, I never would have picked that up. Yeah, and that's a that's a run on joke for like a returning joke later when. He tells the one chick, I work in murders and executions, and she hears them as mergers and executions, yep. or mergers and acquisitions. So that's probably what that was, a little bit of foreshadowing yeah. from the director. That's cool. Do you know how to... Anything else worth mentioning? Do you know how to spell acquisition? A-C-Q-U-I-S-I-T-I-O-N? That's correct. Yeah, the they forget the C is the typo. Oh, okay. Um. You, you mentioned as well the, the fun fact about Willem Dafoe, like three different styles of him, you know, knowing about Patrick Bateman and his suspicion level. Um, the word or the name Bateman is literally derived from Norman Bates. So that's, yeah. you know, Bateman, I'm Norman. Psycho. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's about it for, for spooky trivia. I haven't really done too much other research, but... Um, there was, you know, the book. There's a couple of ones in here about the book, so yep. I don't ever really read the book, so I don't really care about those. No, and there is an American Psycho too, which I've been told is complete dog shit. Really? There's an yeah, yeah it looks horrible. I watched the trailer for it instead of Patrick yeah. Bateman and Christian Bale. Oh. It's, it's a woman. Um, That's a real. Th- but if anyone out there has seen that, let us know what you think of that fucking. Movie. Is that, is that a I kind of want to watch thing? it just to see. I I kind of want to watch as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they can fuck this up that much, but apparently they did from everything I've read. So, all right, cool. That trivia thoroughly spooks me. <laughs> so, um, now I think we'll put a fucking bow tie on this classic, and um, we'll talk about what we're talking about next week. Um, so, go fucking watch this movie. We're, we're going to be returning. This is the second sequel we'll be returning to. We will not be getting three doses of Saw or a trilogy before we get a second sequel of another movie. We will be returning, and I'm pretty excited about this, to Camp Crystal Lake for Friday the 13th Part Deuce, um, which is honestly, in my opinion, um, like one of the, if not like the most signature 80s horror movie other than maybe Nightmare on Ball Street. Um, So I'm very excited. I don't know if this movie gets like the attention that it deserves, but um in my opinion i think it's like the prototypical what when people think about friday the 13th they don't really think about the first part uh they think about the second part because that's when where we first get jason Voorhees sort of in his in his element so we'll be talking about that next week um you guys have any thoughts on that have you guys seen it before nope i don't think so oh wow not for me either Nope. Okay. Um, a lot of the video game, which Evan, I know you've played, mm. uh, Friday the 13th, a lot of the maps are actually from Friday the 13th Part 2, not Part 1. Oh. So, and a lot of the shit is actually from Part 2 that's in that game. So, um, I'm pretty pumped to get your guys' reaction to that. I've seen it, I think, 
only one time in full length. And I don't think I'll come back to it again, but I've always sort of been meaning to. So I'm happy that we get to go back to this. Um, Evan, feel free to fucking join us for the watch party <laughs> for that one. But you you are specifically pegged for what Hubie Halloween. <laughs> so it's gonna come in, in the marbles uh, anytime. I'm calling it. Yeah, right. within two weeks I'll be yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, that fucking wraps up American Psycho. Um, eventually, we'll get back to Scream, which this movie went head to head with and fucking slaughtered in the vote. Um, we'll make sure that we get Scream back in there for fucking Dov, and then. Um, <laughs> Anything Evan else for joining us. I oh, appreciate yeah, you guys having you. me. It was a fucking absolute blast. Yeah, maybe we'll work you into another. We'll give you a second movie that you can join us for. Yeah, let me in for anything. I'm down. We'll talk. We'll talk about it with. We'll we'll point at. We'll have you look at the marbles and maybe you can pick one other than Hubie Halloween that you pop <laughs> on for if it wins. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Um, follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram is really the only thing that's popping right now. Um, we post there. We have polls on there, like this one, where you can vote for movies. Um, subscribe if you want to leave a comment. Please feel free to do so. If you want to leave a rating on Spotify, that helps us out a lot. Um, drop us a five-star, please, because we have fucking no reviews as of right now. So <laughs> please fucking help us, for the love of God. And uh, we'll see you guys fucking next week. I got way too goddamn high for the last fucking... 10 minutes of that shit. I was chief in a Delta 8.